0: Standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus, episode 546, coming to you on the 11th of December in the year of our Lord 2023. And today we're going to take a step back. We're going to talk about vision. Today is the Monday vision. Okay. What do I mean by that? Well, we're at a crossroads. Uh, Politically speaking, And quite honestly, in leadership speaking, right? There are a whole lot of moving pieces. There's a whole lot of things that are directly affected by the next things that happen. And I want to take a little time and talk about that and how that fits into my life and yours. Before we get into the meat of that, let me remind you the best thing you can help me do is to like, share, and subscribe to this program. Everybody that subscribes pushes those numbers up. Everybody that follows pushes those numbers up. We are dealing with an algorithm that is not friendly. We'll, we'll actually probably be talking more about that later in this week, but for what we're working with, we have to be on the offensive and that's the way we do it. And especially if you take the time to uh, rate and review this program, right? Take the five minutes out, actually probably two to three minutes. You can probably do it on your cell phone and just say, hey, uh, according to Callis, he does a great job. Or hey, according to Callis, insight, insightful, whatever. Or hey, according to Callis, didn't like the subject, didn't like this, but on the whole, fair and balanced. Whatever your approach is, whatever you think is an accurate description of what I do here, I'd appreciate it if you would tell others. If you would help me continue to build the program. Now, I know I have four listeners, right? Four solid listeners that listen all the time. <laughs> of course, I'm joking. Yes, but when I do what I do, I'm routinely getting a, a number that is very helpful and good, and will continue to build it. But if I don't do that, if I if I don't do all, that, in other words, it's not self-propagating yet. We're we're not. We don't have enough momentum that I could take my foot off the gas at all, which is okay, but you can only have so many irons in the fire at one time. So that's why I count on my four listeners out there. I, everything that you guys do to help me makes a difference. So here we go on with the program. As you may or may not know, today is the last day to file, to run for office in the November election of 2024. What do I mean by that? Well, it's the primary season, and if you don't file by today, you can't get on the ballot. If you're not on the ballot, you can't run in the primary. If you're not running in the primary, well, you cannot be in the general election. So we're at a crossroads, right? We have a lot of time and effort being put in to unseat the Republican incumbents. Across the state. Now, in fairness, some of them legitimately deserve it. Some of them, man, it's questionable. I, I, it's kind of like I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Some of this is politics. Some of this is personal. Some of it's a combination thereof. So that's all going on. Yet we have several key races where we have got Democrats that shouldn't even be in that seat for multiple reasons that we didn't bother to recruit and field a worthy candidate. Now, I don't want to dismiss or disparage anybody that runs in any election ever because it requires a certain amount of effort, a certain amount of gumption, investment of time, money, energy, all those things. So anybody that throws their hat in the ring should have your respect to a certain degree, right I mean there there are people that, I would call Don Quixote candidates. And in fairness, I was one. It's not that you necessarily expect to win, but you're doing the right thing. You're doing what you think is best in the circumstances. And sometimes that has consequences that are not positive. And sometimes it's neutral. And then sometimes lightning strikes and good things happen. So we we don't know. So you don't want to dismiss. You don't want to disparage, right? So, on the grand scheme of things, as we're stepping back, we're we're visualizing or casting a vision, if you will, for the next couple of years. Here, we have to determine what does it take. What matters? What 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 is the goals that you want to implement? What are the um, ideas that you want to see propagated? Right. So for me personally, look, I am a, I'm a wheel in the machine, which is better than not being in the machine, but it also acknowledges that you're not the conductor. You're not the driver. You're part of the machine. You, you help to get things done. You matter because the machine doesn't work without you, but you're not in charge. And the first thing. That I think everybody needs to understand is rather than looking at it as a machine, we ought to take a more balanced way of looking at it and see it as a team. Now, I use the term machine, and I think in the machine is appropriate, but for the average person, they take offense or they may be mm, unhappy with that terminology and I agree it has it has its own baggage. But if you say a team, well, that then connotates that some people have more value than others. And in fairness, uh, your kicker might be more valuable than somebody else, like the punter Turner in football. And I'm guessing. So I know enough about football to get myself in trouble, and that's how I'm going to leave it. (laughs) But there are other teams, right? So. I, as you know, I, I don't beat people over the head with this, but I did serve in the military. I was in the Navy, so I never did anything that would be considered a uh, gr- uh, ground pounder kind of stuff. Right. I, I never was on any of those teams or anything like that, but I did serve on a reaction team. I did, you know, serve as a person that took care of things during general quarters that took things, took care of things in, um, other ops. I, I don't want to get too specific because quite frankly, it's been 30 years. I've forgotten some of the details and it's really not important to this discussion. It just means that had I not been there to do my role, they could have found somebody else to do what I was doing. Now, would they have been better or worse? Don't know. I'm sure that they replaced me at some point when I got out and found somebody that was just as competent as I was. But at that time, they needed me to do the job that I was doing. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a certain value, right? And if you can't look at it that way, if you can't take the time to say, okay, this is my place or this is where I fit, it makes it very hard for you to value the, your other teammates and to value the big picture or the goal. Now, that being said, in the, and I'm going to use this context because Uh, While it has been a long, long time ago, I think it's appropriate. When you're on a ship and you have an incident, right, whether it's a fire, a chemical, something like that, your on-scene commander there is technically for that period of time of that incident in charge of the ship. Now, in theory, the captain can override them, but the captain dictates that, or the standard procedures or however you want to phrase that. And again, it's been over 30 years. So don't beat me up. If I got the, my new details wrong here, just follow the idea. The guy that's there that is dealing with the issue at hand is in charge. Everything that's going on with that incident is his responsibility. And he has the last say. However, however, the captain is in charge of the entire ship and has to be aware of and in control of everything on the entirety of the ship. So while the captain is seated, temporary control to the person on the scene to deal with that specific issue, there are other things that come into play there. And the captain's job is to make sure that, Hey, Mr. On scene commander, you need to understand this, 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 and this, because if they don't have that information, while they might make a decision that is necessary for the specific thing in front of them, if they don't keep in mind the other things going on, they can't necessarily make the right decision. And that's the captain's job all the time, right? They see the big picture, they know everything that's going on. And even at that, if you look at the captain as being the equivalent of a CEO, right? The chief executive officer, the guy that runs the day to day operations wherever you're at. And again, ladies and gentlemen, I am using man and he in the Latin form. I am not dissuading or saying that in no way, shape or form, there can't be a woman doing this job. I am merely trying to keep it simple. So before you lose your stuff over that, just know that. Okay. So the person in charge, the guy that's running day to day operations has to depend on Is division or department heads to understand what's going on in each of those departments and divisions within their organization. Now, the military is very efficient at doing several things and then they're very inefficient in doing other things, whereas the American business system is very efficient in doing several things and very inefficient in doing other things, or perhaps I guess the correct term is inefficient, but again, I haven't had enough coffee. So if you step back, you look at the big picture and you look and see what is our goal? What is our objective? Right now, you as the leader can't take the time to explain that to everybody on your team. You, you can't go uh, if you if you if you think about a chessboard. And again, I'm going to get this analogy wrong because I. While I enjoy playing an occasional game of chess, I am not a chess master. But I think everybody would agree, to a certain extent, pawns are pawns for a reason. They're necessary, they're valuable, but if you're going to give one up, it's far easier to give that up than your castle or your rook, if you prefer, or your bishop or your knight, right? And you, you don't want to give up the queen unless you're getting a really good trade for it, and you can't give up the king right there there's certain things that you don't want to lose any of them ideally you don't want to give anything up but it's better to sacrifice your pawn to take the other guy's bishop in most cases than any other way and that's the idea where you have to be able to see three four five steps ahead now chess masters apparently can game out the entire game in their head before they make their first move based upon the opening move of their opponent now, I don't know if it's entirely accurate because I would imagine some of those guys can actually change tracks and do different things. So if you get somebody out there that, what is it, the crazy Ivan from Hunt for Red October, right? And they go and do something um, a little crazy, they throw people off. They don't know what to expect. Now, does that work in the real world? Don't know. I, I can't I can't swear to that. But it, But if you're not willing to take a step back. So when you and I as pieces of the machine or teammates, look at what's going on. We have to trust that the captain or the coach or the uh, captain of the team know what the big picture is, know what they're trying to accomplish. And we have to trust and do our job to the best of our ability. Now, at a certain point, you may move up the ranks or you may move into a different position or a different role where you need to know a little bit more of the big picture. You need to understand that so that you can call the audible, so that you can adjust if something happens that was unplanned or uncalled for, so that you're part of the leadership team, right? Now, what does that mean to you? That means you know a little bit more about what's going on. You know a little bit more of what the actions are that are taking place, but you still have to both trust your leader as well as the people that are now your charges that are, you're giving directions to. And you have to make sure that they're doing and you have to trust them to do the things that you need them to do, that we're on the same team. It goes back and forth. But you can't necessarily trust the entry-level guys, the lower-level team members to grasp what the big picture is, but you need to be willing to give them enough of the big picture or enough of the idea or the goal behind it to one, incentivize them to do well, two, give them an objective of which they're trying to get for, and three, educate them up so that later on they can do more and bring them along. So for instance, and again, I'm going to use a scenario that may or may not be true, but if you're in the army and you're looking to take an objective and you give a sergeant orders to do X, Y, or Z, and the sergeant sees an opening and he knows what the bigger goal is, he knows what the uh, lieutenant or the captain is needing to have happen And something happens to why either the lieutenant or captain's taken out or there's an opening because something else happened with their opponent. He needs to be able to seize the objective and move forward and know with some level of certainty what the consequences are in the other aspects of that battle. Right. The idea where there's a feint, right? We're going to collapse this flank to draw people in so that we can encircle them. Well, you probably don't want to fall into that. So it's, in, it's important to follow orders. But you have to also understand what the larger goal is. You have to also see the bigger picture. And not everybody involved can and will understand the bigger picture. And there often isn't time because the game is changing, if you will. So again, as a team member, you have to know your role. You have to understand what the bigger picture is to the extent that it is affected by your role. But you also have to trust that your leaders are doing what they're supposed to do to meet the largest objective. So now that I've gone through all of this, right, and I've explained what's going on, now let's give you the application, at least as I see it, right? Again, the show is called According to Callous for a reason. It's it's what I think, what I understand, and even though I try and stay as objective as possible, there are certain things that there really aren't two sides of the story. It's, this is what we need to do. So in my home County of Collin County, Texas, we were referencing the idea that we spent a lot of time and energy finding candidates to run against our own incumbents. Now, whether you think they're all terrible and need to be replaced, or whether you think they're mediocre and this is a waste of time, or whether you think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And even though I'm upset about one or two votes, they've been doing a really great job. None of that matters. If you can't remember that we have a Democrat that was elected to a seat that we should be able to win. And my question is, how did we miss that? We had 18 months to prepare minimum mind you 18 months to prepare to find the best candidate possible if not more than one candidate to run for a essentially open seat not really because it's held by a democrat but on the republican side it's an open seat there was not a shoe-in the question is why didn't we have a shoe-in and two why do we let this person run against a second or a third tier candidate and to be honest i know there's somebody running I don't know that person from Adam. Now, I might like that person, haven't talked to him for more than 30, 40 seconds. I may even agree with uh, the vast majority of what that person thinks philosophically or politically. Again, don't know because that information's not out there. At this point, after you've been essentially campaigning for several months in the preparation to run in the primary, I ought to know more than your name. Now, I understand where you may not want to invest a lot of money because there might be other people to get in. I get that. But we're the Republican Party of Cowan County. We are the party that runs the state level. We, we should have talked to the state leadership at the very least, if not the party, not the party, but the the legislator leadership in our county. Even though we don't necessarily like personally, some of the elected officials in our county, they're still on our team. We should have been talking to them. Hey, we know we've got this hole here. We really would like your help, your advice, your partnership to get somebody better than the Democrat we've got in the seat. Now, to my knowledge, that did not happen. Now, did it not happen because the other members weren't willing to talk to us, that would be the current members of the legislature. Would it be because the animosity between the two sides has become a sticking point that they're not willing to set aside those differences to work for a common goal? I don't know. I wasn't there. This is big picture stuff that's beyond my scope, beyond my influence and beyond my current concern, if you will. It is a concern, but it's nothing that I have any direct influence or control over. So I can't I can't spend too much time on it. But to me, personally, as a county party, as a state party, it is embarrassing that we have done this. I'm a member of good standing. I I have said many, many times that I have always been the reluctant Republican. But I'm honest about it. I don't lie about it. I don't sugarcoat it. But I'm all in as a Republican. I will do what needs to be done to get good Republicans elected. If I find an opportunity to put a better Republican in a spot, and by that I mean a more liberty-orientated Republican, I'm going to do what I can to encourage that happening. Now, that may or may not have any effect in the outcome, but it's, I'm doing my gig, right? I'm doing my job. I'm advocating for what I think is best. But then I look at the, the big miss. Now, I've, been, I've also referenced many times the problems that we've experienced in our plan to help municipal candidates win. Now, I'm not going to get into details on that because I think we have several things we're working on to counteract the negative effects of what we've done there. Now, whether or not those are going to come to fruition or how that's going to play out, I don't know yet. Again, that's kind of outside of my sphere, outside of my influence directly. That's not to say I don't have ideas. It's not to say that I haven't spoken to the people that are involved in it, but it's their call and it's their decision. And until such point that they tell me what they need me to do, I don't know. (laughs) I'm along for the ride here, folks. I can't help but see the big picture because that's how I'm wired. That's that's how. I look at things is before I do anything, I need to understand what's the goal, what's the big goal, what's the outcome we're looking for, and it can be as simplistic as we take over uh, that seat that we lost or that we created and didn't do a good job of giving it enough good Republican voters, or it could be a little more um, challenging as we need to remove or upgrade several members of these city councils or school boards because while they're at least nominally Republicans there, they're not representing Republican values. They're hurting our children. They're hurting our cities. How do we do that? What's the best way to approach it? How can we partner with the existing members? How, how can we maybe even influence the member that we're not happy with without creating a battle? Perhaps you can win the battle without shedding blood. I, and metaphorically speaking, here, folks, let's keep it on that. But again, that's not my role. I can see the big picture. I can see some of the things going on, but I don't have all the detail. Again, as the captain, which I'm not, but just going along with the scenario I laid out earlier. You have to know and you're dependent upon what your department heads tell you, what the division heads within those departments tell the department heads that are telling you, but you need accurate, timely information to help you guide the, the outcome that you want. And I would suggest to you that there's a disconnect somewhere in there. I would suggest to you that there are different motivations, there are different goals being set by other people that are diverging from the overall plan. Now, whether it's to pad themselves, whether it is to get their own preferred outcomes as opposed to the big picture, I don't know. Now, I have my opinions on that matter, but I don't know that for certain. But but if we're going to take that step back, we're going to look at the big picture and we look at the state of Texas. Again, directly applicable, right? We have... Nearly two thirds majority in both the house and the senate, yet we cannot pass good conservative bills into law for various reasons. Starting with of the two thirds or nearly two thirds we have in each house, roughly 30 percent of that are, I guess, fairly called rhinos, but I don't know if that's accurate. I would just say. Perhaps they're Democrats that are running as Republicans so they can maintain their seats. So they would be technically a, a rhino that is a Republican in name only. Or maybe they're legitimately moderate Republicans. They they run in a purple seat or they're, they themselves are purple. Hey, well, I'm a Republican, but I really am okay with all these things. Or actually, I disagree with the party on these things. Some of these guys are open about it. Some of these guys lie to their constituents all the time. And yes, I'm well aware that some of them are ladies, but be that as it may, we have to determine, is it more valuable to us as the Republican party, as conservatives, as Christians, as Liberty advocates to constantly be going after the people that are already on our team, even though they're disappointing us, or is it better to take out a seat that's in, purple area, or to work with an advocate for the outcome we want with people that are already elected, but aren't necessarily fully on board. Now, this is where it gets messy. This is where you look at <clears throat> dealing with, um, let's call them advocates <laughs> dealing with your opposing advocates on an even playing field. What do I mean by that? Okay. So this is an issue where I see both sides. I don't have a strong opinion either way at this point, but there is a concerted effort to legalize gambling in Texas. Now the party doesn't want that. Meaning the the grassroots leadership of the party The majority of the voters in the Republican Party don't want that. The party leadership generally is, let's call it, basically neutral. A a thin majority is probably opposed, but a lot of people are generally neutral. So it's the leadership, the elected leadership that is pushing this agenda. Now, they're going to use the argument that we want to expand liberty. We want to expand freedom. If people want to gamble, they ought to be able to gamble in Texas because we'll get more tax revenue. I mean, that's a valid argument. If you then can ignore all the other externalities and the other negative consequences that follow legalized gambling. Now, again, I don't fall hard on either side of this issue. I think it's fair to put it to the voters. I do. But I find it ironic that the party has been steadfastly against this. The The grassroots of the party has been steadfastly against this. Yet that bill passed the Texas House, led by my very own Collin County representative, Jeff Leach. Now, I have my own issues with Jeff Leach, but he's a savvy guy. He's not stupid. He knows that there's going to be a good outcome out of this. One would suggest He's going to get a whole lot of campaign contributions out of it. One would suggest he thinks that his district is at least nominally going to support this, especially when he gives them the sales pitch that is all that more tax money and you're going to pay less. Okay, maybe that's true. But the reality is nobody really wants that (laughs) that I'm aware of that's willing to do that other than the people that are going to benefit. So then the real question is who's going to benefit? Now if you look at the big picture, that's where it gets interesting. The the Texas Senate at least nominally is opposed to this measure. The governor I'm going to say is probably neutral because his finger's still in the air to determine which way the wind is blowing, but the Texas House apparently is all in on this. And when I say all in, a majority of the elected members want this. So the question would be, is why, why now? And why we, we can't get adequate education reform. We can't protect the damn border. I'm sorry, the darn border. Excuse me. We can't do any number of things. Hey, but we found time to go ahead and legalize gambling, at least in the Texas house. When you ask yourself, how does that happen? You have to step back and look at the bigger picture. And when you're looking at the big picture, you have to be willing to see who benefits. Now, I'm not going to suggest that everybody that's looking at the big big picture is going to see everything in that big picture. Kind of reminds me of the the, uh, puzzles. Where's Waldo, right? There might be only one Waldo in the entirety of that picture, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on. A lot of distractions, a lot of things that draw your attention. And so when you look at that big picture... You may not be able to see Waldo, but as soon as somebody shows you that or tells you where to look or, or gives you an idea then it's like, okay, now I see it. And now I see how it fits in the bigger picture. And now I see the grand scheme of things. So we need people that can stay hyper-focused and look at that specific issue, but we need people that can also deal with what's going on around that issue. And then we need people that can see the whole big picture. There are very few people that can see the entirety of the big picture and then zoom in to that small detail, figure out what's going on in that small detail, how to best approach it or deal with it, and then zoom back out to look at the larger consequences around them. Very few people can do all of that on their own. Some can go part way down or part way up. They're dependent on other people to be their intermediaries. Well, I think I butchered that word They're they're <laughs> they're dependent on other people closer to the ground and in the middle to help them understand what's going on. And I use that as an example because I think everybody's seen the where Waldo puzzle, right? It makes sense to you, right? There's a whole lot of stuff going on, a whole lot of distractions. And if you can't look past all those distractions, if you can't look past everything else that's going on, you'll never find Waldo. Now, there are some techniques I suppose there's some people that are just wired that they can do that instinctually. And that's great. those are the people we need on the team. And those are the people we need to be willing to listen to in the context of political outcomes. But when you get lost on that person doesn't agree with me on this issue, which isn't even on the ballot or is a settled issue, they must be crushed and chased off and have nothing to do with our party. Well, that's counterproductive. That's working against the bigger Goal, the outcome that we all desire. And really, everything that we do is based on the outcome. If we don't get good outcomes, we lose Collin County, we lose Texas. Some would say we lose the United States. I would suggest to you that that's already been lost, which is why I focus so much time on Texas. Texas is the lion in the sand whether we stay part of the union or we go text it, whether whether we continue to fight the good fight or whether we say we're done, we're going to go do our own thing. Either way, we still have to deal with Texas. We have to fight for Texas. We have to fight for the right things in Texas. And we have to be willing to stand in the gap and push back at those that would seek to undermine the, the bigger goals, those that would have different goals. We need to be able to give them reasons why those are bad ideas. Explain to them the consequences of doing those things and do it in such a way that they may buy in. They may not agree with us or they may not like you personally, but if they can at least see the bigger picture, if they can set aside their personal stake in the issue, I mean, there's always a personal stake. And the more somebody denies it, the more likely is you just don't understand what their personal stake is. With that, I have now gone long. (laughs) I guess when I did a short episode on Friday and then really didn't spend a lot of time advertising, I, I owe you that, right? I owe you an extra few minutes. The vision. Going forward, we have to have a vision. We have to understand what our outcome is. In my mind, the only good outcome is we replace the Democrat with a Republican in HD 70. The only good outcomes are we get a half a dozen good, legitimate, conservative Republicans elected. Now, whether or not we're still going to get what we want, don't know. But if we can start peeling away some of these guys that are selling us out, some of these weak links, if you will, that makes a statement that lets them know that we're serious. We want these things done. If we can't do that and we can't take back seats from Democrats, we're kind of dead in the water. We've got to come up with a new plan. We have to be willing to discuss that openly and set aside the petty differences on those with the other people on the team and focus on the big picture. And as we close out the registration season, if you will, for the election cycle, we need to be willing to do that. And with that, this has been According to Kellis, and I will see you on the other side.